Okay, so let's start. Uh, welcome, everybody. My name is Jonathan. I manage some of our AWS management tools like AWS OpsWorks and Resource Groups. And I'm here to talk to you about uh, how you can use our management tool suite together to uh, manage your applications and resources on AWS. So today I wanna give you a brief introduction into what are these management tools, uh, what are their purposes, what is maybe this, the life cycle that you have to go through when you manage an application resources. Uh, and then I wanna dive deep a little bit into some of these and uh, hopefully bring it back with a very practical example of um, how we can take an example like Java application and manage it completely through this lifecycle and take it and build some automated pipelines to um, completely automate and codify um, the application through provisioning, uh, monitoring, configuration, and remediation. Um, so let's start with, with a, maybe a, a brief note. Um, if you're interested in, in uh, these topics, there are two sessions on Thursday that you might wanna um, have a look at. So uh, first, um, there is a session that goes into a little bit more in-depth um, in terms of building this pipeline, uh, has a nice demo of how you actually create these, these pipelines. And then we also have a, um, a workshop on Thursday afternoon where you can leverage some of the tools that I present here uh, together uh, with the presenters and with some of our engineers to actually get a hands-on example of this and, and build some of these examples yourself. Now, if I say management tools, uh, what do I mean by that? Um, so if, if you look at the different services that we offer at AWS, um, we think of them in, as different tools that help you to uh, handle the different stages of the, the application lifecycle or infrastructure management lifecycle, right? So first you need to provision the resources that you need in order to run your application. Uh, there we have CloudFormation and Service Catalog that help you with that. Then uh, if we're talking at least instance-based workloads, you need to somehow configure these machines. Um, so configuration management and AWS OpsWorks is something that helps you here. And then you wanna monitor these resources and applications. Uh, you wanna feed, use that feedback loop to drive any necessary changes. Um, and then you also wanna be able to um, act on any, inf any of these insights that you got from the monitoring. You wanna be able to have um, audit information, you wanna check compliance of these resources, and you wanna remediate ultimately, potentially, right? Um, now, you can see the different tools, and we will, we will have a look at each of them in a minute. The idea here is, and, and that's a little bit the purpose of my talk, is to show you how you can integrate them and how you can make them interoperable so that when you actually manage your application and your resources, when you start with provisioning, you can kind of maintain the same context throughout this workflow and um, are able to integrate all of these together. Now, so let's have a look at the first one, uh, CloudFormation. How many people here are familiar with CloudFormation and are using CloudFormation already today? So maybe, maybe half of the room. So CloudFormation, for those uh, who are not familiar with it, is our main service in order for you to provision resources. And what we mean with provision is to launch them on AWS uh, as soon as you have kind of a non-trivial use case, right, like you more than just like, let me go to the console and, and launch something to try it out, uh, I recommend that you have a look at CloudFormation because there you can codify, you can define in a template, right, as infrastructure as, uh, infrastructure as code, you can define here are the resources that I want to have, right, like let's say uh, a load balancer, um, an auto-scaling group with some instances in it and a database, and CloudFormation uh, then takes this template, this configuration file, if you like, and um, handles all the provisioning and, and, and bootstrapping of these resources for you and all of the necessary dependencies. 
Uh, most importantly, it also handles all the, the various error, errors that could occur, and if, if any of them do, it handles the rollback for you. So it's a very robust way of provisioning resources. So let's say um, you're requesting to run 1,000 EC2 instances, but your account actually only has a limit of uh, another 100. Um, then this uh, state transition will fail, and CloudFormation will do a rollback to revert any other changes that it made necessarily. Um, so CloudFormation is a very core piece of um, automating the infrastructure and provisioning the necessary resources to run your application on. It supports like a very large number of resource types, uh, over 250. Um, the goal is to ultimately support all of them, right? So that's kind of our core service to provision the resources and allows it to, most importantly, store all of this in, in code and source control. And we'll have a later look at how we can leverage that to deploy our example application. Now, next is Service Catalog. Service Catalog is probably a little bit less known. Um, it is, if you try to simplify it a bit, an abstraction layer on top of CloudFormation, right? It's the idea that if I take these CloudFormation templates and I build predefined sets of products, how we call them in, in Service Catalog, uh, where I define already um, like a standard use case for me. Let's say uh, you're a larger enterprise company and you have like a standard um, installation of how you like um, uh, like your standard web service and database service to look like. Um, and, and let's say Apache MySQL, you can define a CloudFormation template that provisions that these resources. And then you can make this available in the catalog to your teams so that they can launch this and already use the standard configuration. And then you can centrally update this, and, and your teams will see that there is a new version of that. It also allows you to restrict access to um, individual services so that um, certain organizations have only access to the products and service catalog. So it is, it is a way to define predefined um, starter kits or applications or products, if you like, um, that then your teams can leverage. Um, we will use CloudFormation for, for our example going forward, but this is another way, especially if, you're, if you have like a large organization where you want to maintain like standard installations, um, service catalog is something worth having a look at. Now, once we launch our instances or our resources, um, th th we now need to ensure that the right software is running on them, right? So I need to ensure it, it's using the right version of, let's say, Apache or Tomcat or Ruby or Java, whatever you want to use. There are, in general, two ways to achieve this, if, if, you're, if you simplify, right? Like, one way is to have a golden AMIs or uh, immutable service where you, you prepackage everything that you need on an, on an army, and then you launch that through CloudFormation or the, the ASG. Um, the other way, if, especially if you need more um, dynamic runtime changes to, to the configuration, is to use uh, configuration management. In the configuration management space, we have AWS OpsWorks that um, vents you managed versions of Chef Automate and Puppet Enterprise, the, the two of the most popular configuration management solutions, um, where you can get um, your own Puppet or Chef server that allows you to then define the on-instance configuration. Right? You can use the, the domain-specific language that these tools offer to exactly define uh, basically every bit on the machine, right? Like you can say, I need this particular version of Apache, this particular version of a certain package. Uh, this is how exactly I want it to be configured. Let's say you want to always send a certain header um, with Apache. Like you can define this using a, a DSL that um, is much more powerful than if you would write a very long shell script and it's um, compatible across operating systems and, and so forth. OpsWorks in this case is handling all the provisioning and management and operations of the actual chef or puppet server. So that means installation, version management, upgrades, backup restores, and integration into the rest of the ecosystem of AWS in terms of CloudTrail and config integration that we will talk about in a second. 
So Opswix is a great solution if you want to be able to uh, control the, the definition of what is actually running inside a machine. And we'll leverage that in our example to um, exactly control like the installation of Apache, for example. Now, once I have so my infrastructure provisioned, I have um, the software that I need running on it, I need to monitor it. So CloudWatch is um, our tool of choice in order to do um, monitoring in terms of defining metrics, looking at um, uh, standard metrics that come with a lot of the AWS services in terms of defining my own custom metrics, defining alarms, defining logs. So CloudWatch logs provides you with the ability to um, stream logs and define log groups, or you can use the CloudWatch agent on EC2 instances to uh, upload, let's say, the Apache log or Tomcat log or, or any log uh, file that you care about, and then um, define um, searches and alerts on these so that it when, and uh, define additional metrics. You can also use CloudWatch events to uh, fire off, like, let's say, Lambda functions or other services whenever a certain event is fired. Uh, we will we'll talk about this uh, in, in, the, in a second when we look at um, config and config rules. Um, and it also allows you to create standard dashboards and, um, and graphs for all of these metrics. So that's kind of our standard tool to do resource level monitoring in particular, but also in general to, to build your operational dashboard, operational console, if you like, um, if you actually then need to monitor your resources. Another um, product that we have in the monitoring space is X-Ray. So X-Ray is uh, um, tailored a lot more towards the, the application that you're running on AWS, right? So imagine you have a Lambda function or you have your, your custom web application that uses DynamoDB or it uses um, S3 or RDS and so forth. And you now want to understand, OK, which calls am I actually doing? How long do they take? And um, if there are any errors and so forth. So what um, X-Ray is doing, it will take a sample of the requests that are hitting your application and will then trace all of the dependencies, all of the calls to the various dependent AWS services they're using. And it will, will provide you with a service map where you can see oh, um, this API call of mine is actually talking to Dynamo, um, to these three Dynamo tables. Uh, the calls are taking so long. Um, this call actually fails 10% of the time for, for certain reasons and so forth. So it's a great tool for you to debug your application, to figure out what's going on, what is the performance characteristics of my application. Um, and uh, so, so that's a very important uh, tool in your, in your application level monitoring, if you like. It uh, kind of comes pre-installed if you use Lambda, and if you use um, any other uh, application uh, framework, if you like, and then you, then you can integrate it via the SDK, or you can install the, the agent, the X-ray agent on your box to push these metrics to the X-ray service. So with these tools, we now have also an idea how our application is doing in terms of um, the, the performance metrics, in terms of the availability metrics, the latency metrics, and so forth. What we don't know yet is if it's compliant with um, our particular rules and policies that, that we have in our company, right? So what you can use for that is AWS config and config rules. So config is a service that tracks basically every single change to the resources that, are, that, are, that config supports in terms of um, what are the state changes or attribute changes that, they, that happen to them and what are the values, if, if you like. So a good example is, let's say you have an EC2 instance. With config, you're able to tell um, when did the IP address of that instance change? What was the value before the change and after? Or maybe you, you're changing the um, provisioned IOPS of an EBS volume. Um, those are things that you would be able to trace in, in config and config rules. And then config will record all of these changes. It will provide you with a history of these changes for every resource. And it will also allow you to define rules on these. 
And uh, most importantly, it will allow you to dynamically fire events whenever these rules um, uh, change in that sense that they're no longer compliant. So to give you a, a very practical example, let's say you wanna, you wanna ensure that there is no single security group in your account that uh, opens port 80 to the world. So you would be able to define a, um, a config rule that says exactly that. And um, whenever somebody uh, changes a security group, right, like whenever there is an API call that changes the state of the attributes of a security group, um, this will be recorded by config. Config will reevaluate the security group, uh, the, sorry, the config rules. And then um, when now um, a certain security group is no longer compliant, it will fire a notification that you can then um, receive with CloudWatch events and then act on it. Um, well, that means maybe alarm, that means maybe um, just graph it, or um, like as we will see in our examples later on, you can also automatically remediate it, right? You might then trigger an um, automation document that then terminates that instance, or maybe that, um, that removes the security group from all the running instances, for example, so that you're also able to automatically respond to it and remediate. The other um, service that we have in that space is called CloudTrail. CloudTrail is, um, simply said, a, a record of all API activity in your account. And it actually also allows you to aggregate this across accounts. So the idea here is um, every time anything that means um, somebody in your account, uh, like somebody that is using a role, or the, also other AWS services that are, that are doing things on your behalf in your account, uh, any time an API call is made in AWS and in a certain account, this is recorded. And um, that information includes the caller information, the API call information, the response information, and so forth. And then you can inspect this at any point in time in order to um, uh, debug or, or audit or like have some security investigation, right? So you're able to say um, who called, who terminated that instance last week. That's an information that you would be able to get out of CloudTrail. Uh, CloudTrail also fired CloudWatch events notifications um, for these things so that you're also able to define um, to a sense, similar policies like, like in config rules. So you could, for example, um, get a notification every time somebody tries to terminate an instance because that might be something that you don't want to do, uh, that you don't want to allow uh, manually in your, in, your, um, in your team. We say only CloudFormation should be able to terminate instances. So you can get a notification every time a non-CloudFormation actor is, is trying to do that. Uh, and then again, alert on it. Uh, just log it or, or graph it or maybe even automatically remediate and uh, run, run a Lambda function or an automation document as a response. Now, the last service that I want to give you a high-level overview um, uh, of is a Systems Manager. So Systems Manager has a broad set of capabilities that we will leverage uh, for our example. Um, let's start with resource groups. So resource groups uh, technically speaking, it's, it's actually its own uh, service. So resource groups is um, the glue code that we will use in our example to actually maintain this context as we go from service to service um, because it allows it to define, as the name suggests, groups of resources. Uh, you can define hierarchy. You can, you can define categories that allow you to define what, what resource should be in this group. And um, so you can use that to define, here is my production application. Here is my staging application. Here are the web servers within the production application. And then you will be able to address uh, these groups of resources and other services. So we will use that to, um, as a target and as a filter in some of our examples later on. Patch Manager allows you to um, define patch baselines and patch automatically Windows and Linux instances, uh, allows you to see what are, what are outstanding patches, what are critical patches, and so forth. Um, run committed automation are, are the, the, probably the two critical um, um, capabilities here that allow you to execute scripts, PowerShell scripts, um, uh, shell scripts, 
inside your, your EC2 instance or on an on-prem instance. And uh, so this is what run command provides you. You can, you can trigger these based on a schedule. This is essentially what state manager allows you to do. Um, it, you can execute them ad hoc or you can also execute them based on an event. Um, with session manager, you can now also get a, get a kind of a live shell into your instance without the need to, to open any ports or have SSH installed or anything like that. And then automation, um, this is what we will use for example later on. Automation is, uh, allows you to, to chain executions of run command um, scripts and interactions with, with other services um, to define essentially um, run books or standard operating procedures, right? Um, a good example is here maybe, let's say you have um, some form of a legacy application that you inherited from another team that is using um, Tomcat, and for whatever reason, every now and then uh, Tomcat uh, hogs up too much memory and it needs to be restarted. Um, so that will be like something that maybe today you define in a wiki for your on-call engineer to say, hey, if this happens, this is what you need to do. Um, with something like automation, you can actually fully automate that. You could have, let's say you use the CloudWatch agent to monitor the, the memory consumption of the machine. Um, that creates a CloudWatch alarm whenever the, the available memory is too low, which fires off a CloudWatch event notification that you can tie onto automation and then um, execute an automation um, document that uh, first takes, on, uh, takes this machine out of the load balancer um, using, using run command actually on the instance itself, restarts Tomcat, and once that is up and running, brings the machine back into the load balancer. So this automation is something you could execute manually or it's also something that you could fully automate with CloudWatch events to run automatically every time the memory consumption is, is too high, for example. Uh, maintenance window is a capability that allows you to also execute some of these things like patch manager or run command automation um, as the name suggests in a certain defined maintenance window where uh, in contrast to state manager, it will abort the execution if, if it takes longer than the defined um, window. Uh, and then inventory uh, is um, a capability where you can store information collected by the systems manager agent from the, from the instance, like let's say the installed packages, the network configuration, the drivers, and so forth, and query them um, to, uh, and, and push them also into config to then, to then execute config rules against. Parameter store allows you to store certain values, key, key, um, uh, yeah, key value pairs that you can then reference in the execution of, of documents, uh, but also uses configuration for your applications. And then last but not least, Distribute is a capability we just uh, recently launched that allows you to roll out agents or consume AWS managed agents or your own agents on EC2 instances or in, and on on-prem uh, machines. For, from, from these, we will use automation as our example to how you can create this complete remediation, automate that, and also have this automated pipeline. So with this very high-level overview, let's try to make this a little bit more concrete and um, create um, what I would call kind of enterprises code um, this is, I think, ultimately what um, a lot of people want to achieve is how can I fully automate and fully codify my infrastructure, my configuration, my operations, my compliance, and my application delivery, right? That's ultimately the goal that you want to get to. How can I fully um, create um, automation for these things so that um, there is no manual interaction necessary as long as at least we're speaking about the good path, obviously, and a human can, can intervene at any time, but at least for making changes um, and for, for storing this, uh, everything is in code and all of these changes are rolling out completely. Um, that's basically um, what I want to arrive at at the end of this presentation so that you have an idea of how do I achieve this with the management tools. Now, in order to do this, let me first define what, what I mean if I talk about application infrastructure and automation and pipelines for these. So when we talk about applications, um, what I mean here is 
ultimately the business application you care about. This might be an application you wrote, this is an application maybe you um, consume from a third party or a vendor, but that's basically the, the business value, the, business, the reason why, what you want to run on AWS. Um, and then the underlying infrastructure is what you need in order to actually um, run it, right? So this is the, the, those are the services that you consume from a vendor like, like Amazon or from others. Um, the EC2 instances, the Lambda functions, the RDS uh, instances, uh, DynamoDB, all of these services that uh, you actually then need in order to run your business application. Um, now, most of the time, if you want to um, fully automate this, what you need are two pipelines in order to control this, right? You need you need kind of one application pipeline that automatically releases and pushes out the changes uh, to your application. And then you need something similar for your infrastructure. And, and you might argue you might want to also need like, a, like a, a third one for your tools and your operational tools, right? Um, I will focus today mostly on the infrastructure pipeline, but everything applies the same way for the, for the application pipeline. If you look at what is it actually that you need to do there, um, if we look first at the application pipeline, right, I first need to develop my code, right? Then I, want, I need to uh, build it and run tests, uh, like integration tests, unit tests, and so forth. Then I deploy it to my um, infrastructure, and then I monitor it and see um, if there are any issues, right, on the application level monitoring, infrastructure level monitoring, and so forth. Um, and ultimately, right, I have my running application, and kind of then the circle con um, starts again uh, anytime I make changes. Pretty much um, similarly, right, and you will re recognize kind of the, the topics here is what you need to do on an infrastructure level. You need to provision the necessary resources, you need to configure them, uh, then you monitor if everything works accordingly, and you also um, audit and remediate if necessary, and, and you do this kind of in a circle. If you wanna make this happen today in, in AWS, you can use a variety of services um, together, and, and like I said, mostly I wanna focus on how you actually achieve this with the underlying layer for the infrastructure. Um, so the examples I use are, are AWS services, but you can also imagine using uh, open source or third-party tools here. You can, for most of these examples, you can plug something uh, in that, that is a third-party. Obviously, we, we wanna give you like something that works out of the box, um, but you can imagine, uh, I don't know, using Jenkins for the build and, and test part, uh, using obviously a different editor or a different uh, source control repository and so forth. Um, so the, the standard tools that you could use here for developing application, let's say you use Cloud9 for editing and, and, and testing it, you use CodeCommit to actually store your, your changes and your, your code repository, and then you use CodeBuild to build and test uh, the application and uh, deploy it through CodeDeploy to your, to your infrastructure, and then you use Amazon uh, CloudWatch and X-Ray to monitor any changes and respond to them. For the um, infrastructure, we will use CloudFormation to provision uh, OpsWorks to do the configuration changes, uh, then we will use CloudWatch to build dashboards that are tailored to these resources that we just deployed, and, uh, and then config CloudTrail Systems Manager for the remediation. Uh, you notice that, that I also wrote here resource groups because that's kind of the glue code, that, as I said earlier, that connects all of these pieces. So at the end of the day, you can represent the application, you can present the infrastructure as resource groups, and that's what allows you to uh, maintain that context throughout this, this journey because you will be able to address the, the resources and, and the, the, um, that you provision with CloudFormation later on with, uh, through resource groups and the other services. Now to make this uh, very concrete because up until this point, uh, this is very, very theoretical, right? Like let's, let's pick a simple example of an application that we wanna run here. So let's say um, we, we, ha we have a very traditional uh, kind of instance-based Java application, right? I think this is a very common stack that you will find. Uh, it uses maybe 
uh, EC2 and a load balancer and, and an RDS instance to run. Uh, you have the code somewhere in Git, and then you want to run like a certain version of Apache, Tomcat, OpenJDK, and so forth. How would you actually make this work in, uh, with the management tools uh, for, the, for the whole deployment story? So the first thing that we need is we need to provision the necessary infrastructure, right? So that's what we want to use CloudFormation for, right? So obviously in CloudFormation then, I would define these pieces of the infrastructure that I need, the application load balancer, the auto-scaling group that holds up my instances, um, the RDS database. Um, I, th this is kind of the obvious ones, but you can actually also package in there the other pieces that you need, like the, the CloudWatch dashboards and alarms, the config rules, the documents that you need. You can actually define the pipelines themselves that we will use later on in the CloudWatch template, uh, sorry, in the CloudFormation template. So at the end of the day, you will, you will have a very long template that looks like this. Um, this one here has just the short snippet that defines the auto-scaling group with your load balancer and, and the instances. Um, but you can find a lot of examples uh, online of how those CloudFormation um, templates um, should look like. Uh, we also have with the well-architected framework a lot of examples that we vent for, for standard um, examples. The important thing here is that all of this is in source control, right? The definition of the infrastructure and the resources I need is in source control. I have it in my Git repository, code commit, GitHub, whatever you want to use. And I can uh, now, every time I want to make a change to it, I can make a, uh, like a code review request to my, to my colleagues. colleagues. They, they approve it, and then I, I push it and promote it. And, and we will see in a second how this then gets pushed up to the production infrastructure. Now, with this, I actually now have my web servers, my um, load balancer, my database server running, and so forth. But how do I actually define um, later on which version of, of uh, software I need, right? Like, that's ultimately what we want to get to, to the next step. Before we do that, um, we also need to create the, the matching resource groups. So I said resource group will be the glue code that will, or the, the, that, um, the glue object that we will kind of carry forward throughout this journey and, and use in the other services. So uh, with resource groups, you can define hierarchical groups of, of um, resources that you can then address in other services. Uh, in this example, I, I use the CLI, but obviously you can use the SDK and API to do the same thing. Um, so I define a, a resource group here that um, proxies, if you like, or, or kind of acts as a, as a representation of the CloudFormation stack. So uh, in a resource group, you define a query how to, to, to find the members. In this example here, um, we're defining a CloudFormation-based group that um, looks up the members by um, saying everything in this group is actually everything that is in this CloudFormation stack over there. All right, and once I have this group, I can now reference um, in, in the other places. So um, once we have that, we can now get, get um, on with the actual configuration. So how do we get to the actual on-instance configuration? How do we define what we actually need? So for that, um, we said configuration management, configuration management might be a good approach. So let's say uh, we pick Chef or Puppet in our example to define the on-instance configuration, right? So we can now define in a fine-granular way how do we actually get um, Apache 2.4.3.7 running? How do we get a certain version of Tomcat and OpenJDK and all the dependencies that we need? How do we get the necessary users and permissions and everything that you want to have on your machine? You can define that in the, in the um, Chef Cookbook or Puppet, DS, uh, or Puppet Manifest in this very powerful, very um, easy-to-read DSL um, where, again, there is a broad community um, uh, um, that publishes uh, standard um, scripts for a lot of these things so you don't have to start from scratch and you have um, a nice abstraction for doing all of this. So to, to have a look at an example here, um, 
So this is uh, a snippet from the Apache 2 community cookbook that you can find on the Chef supermarket, which is the Chef way to discover and share these um, open source um, standard cookbooks that a lot of people use, right? Um, and what I can do here is I can define like my, my um, uh, parts of my Apache conf, I can enable SSL, I can define a certain um, uh, virtual host that runs over a certain template and so forth, right? So if you're, even if you're not familiar with, uh, with the Chef DSL, you get a feeling for, okay, how, how can I define this on instance configuration? Uh, obviously, there, there are other examples for, for Tomcat and so forth. The important part is, again, this is all code. This is all uh, things that I would have in my Git repository and that my developers or engineers could then um, make changes to that are, that are in source control, that are traced, that I can roll back and roll, and, and roll forward, and that, trigger, that promote, gets promoted through the pipeline automatically without any manual intervention um, by me. So um, once we have that um, set up, and obviously you need, you need a lot more of these configurations to actually define all the necessary pieces, but hopefully you can, you can find um, most of them on the supermarket um, to, and, and be base your configuration uh, based on these, um, then I, I can go to the next step, right? Like once, so now we have um, our instances provisioned, we have them configured with the necessary software that we want to have running on it. Uh, now we want to see how can we actually monitor this. So for that, um, we're going to use CloudWatch um, and uh, use a CloudWatch feature that was re recently launched, which is the ability to create automated dashboards based on your, on your resource group. So, um, you might not be able to, to see that very well, right? But this dropdown here lists the resource groups in my account. So I can select the, the resource group here, for example, that we created for our matching CloudFormation stack, and CloudWatch will generate uh, automatically dashboards for this. Um, so here is like how the dashboard could look like, where um, based on the resources that are in this particular group, it will generate the, the matching uh, graphs and dashboards. So let's say you have an, a load balancer and a bunch of instances in there, so you will see by default like a graph for the request per second for the load balancer, the errors, the latency, and so forth. You will see the standard um, infrastructure host level metrics for your EC2 instances. You will find like IOPS per second consumed or so for EBS volume. So the standard metrics you would expect for, for all of these resources. Obviously, you can, you can make changes to these. You can uh, create your own dashboards. You can, you can override all of this. But it's a pretty nice kind of default experience um, that, that you get um, for existing resource groups. Uh, so that's a very um, neat feature that allows you, again, to maintain context on that resource group. And you, like I said, you can have hierarchies there. So you could have like a separate one for your front-end web servers and your back-end web servers and, and whatever you, you're, you're using for running your particular application. Um, now, once we did this, we're, we're able already to get like a nice operational dashboard for the infrastructure that I provisioned. The next step is now, how do I actually get um, some insight with the, uh, in terms of the audit um, uh, status of the compliance status of my, of my running infrastructure, right? So this is something we can do with config and config rules. Um, we will look at an example config rule um, in, in a second, but uh, what I can do here is, um, if you go to, to the systems manager console, we're able to here in the insight section to also look at um, uh, resource group scoped um, violations against your, your defined config rules, or you can see the CloudTrail events that are only particular for this uh, resource group, right? So that means, um, by default, I'm now able to get a dashboard that tells me, here are the, the non-compliant resources in this resource group. Uh, obviously, again, you can, you can respond to these with automation. You can uh, fire CloudWatch events 
uh, for all of this, but it's also nice to have like a, a visual dashboard in, in the console that will um, give you some, some insight into this. Um, so here is an example config rule. Uh, we have also an example repository um, with these. Um, this is also only a snippet of it, but what it does is it essentially, the, the important line is, is uh, the last one here that checks if a host, if an EC2 instance is, um, like in this case, provisioned as a dedicated host or not, right? Like, so for whatever reason, for my team, I created this policy that says all the hosts need to be on dedicated hardware because we don't want to have, um, uh, we don't want to share it with any, with any other accounts or neighbors. Um, so if you would have that rule um, defined, you would now be able to see what are all the EC2 instances that don't comply with this policy. Uh, like I said, you can have your, obviously your own policy. You can, you can look at some of the community policies. Um, I think a good example is the security one that I, that I explained earlier uh, with a security group in port 80. And then once you have these config rules defined, you can now um, automatically or manually respond to, to any resources that are, not, that are not compliant with these. And like I said, you can actually see them then in the, in the dashboard that we looked at earlier. So the next piece is um, remediation. I want to be able to run any of my runbooks um, that we were like so automation documents essentially against my resources in a particular resource group. So um, here I'm looking at um, the resource group dashboard in, in, in the systems manager console. And what you can see here on the right is um, a dropdown that lists me all my automation documents. Right? So I can basically say for this resource group now, let me run a particular automation document. Um, that um, executes whatever logic I want to have in, in my runbook, right? Um, like I said, uh, an automation document can either ex include a run command document, which means it can run inside your instance, or it can run outside of your instance by executing interactions with certain other services. So here's a part of a snippet of um, an automation document that, that launches and terminates instances where you define for, the, for a certain... Um, instance or resource type, what are the desired changes you want to make to, to certain um, attributes, um, and then it's able to execute um, these for you. A good example, I think, is, is this Tomcat um, one that, that we were talking about where uh, you need to actually combine changes that are happening outside of the context of an instance, let's say interaction with um, uh, elast um, elastic or application load balancers or interactions with RDS, let's say, and changes that need to happen inside your instance. That's maybe a good um, reason to show you where would you want to use an automation documents versus a Lambda function. For everything that I say, you could also use Lambdas as the a, as a execution for, for um, uh, a CloudWatch event, let's say, the violation against the config rule, um, but with automation, you're actually able to run them inside the instance. So another example might be uh, for whatever reason, every now and then your application gets stuck and you need to restart the process. This is not something you could easily do from, with Lambda because it doesn't have access inside the, your, your instances where automation can do that. So you could have a standard automation SOP script that you share with your developers so that they can select it in this list, right? So they no longer need to uh, kind of copy-paste code from the wiki page. Um, but instead they can just look at um, select for a certain application, essentially, right, a certain resource group. Um, here's my standard script to, to re-trigger the restart of, of my application server, and then you can do this manually, or you can fully automate this again, right, where you use a, um, any CloudWatch event as a trigger for running this um, CloudWatch, uh, sorry, for running this automation documents. So with that, right, like we, we pretty much have the individual pieces of, of that um, story covered, right? We have now, um, infrastructure as code through CloudFormation. We have configuration as code um, 
through OpsWorks and, and Puppet or Chef. Uh, we have monitoring with, with um, CloudWatch that we also can, can define in code, uh, for example, in the CloudFormation template itself. Uh, and then we have automation documents as our SOPs. How do we now tie all of this together and get actually this pipeline going? And how do we actually make it happen that these things are promoted step by step? So this is where, where code pipeline and code build come in. So code pipeline is a fully managed continuous deliver, uh, deliver, um, delivery service by AWS, right? Where I can model um, this release process and I can define the individual step that I need um, for my infrastructure pipeline, for my configuration pipeline, for my uh, tools pipeline, right? For, for basically every, each of those pieces um, and make sure that they get applied automatically without any manual intervention. I can define test step and build steps and so forth as, as the individual steps. So let's say um, in this example here, um, we want to deploy an application. So the first thing we have is um, this step here, which is the source step. So this monitors my, my Git repository. And every time somebody checks into that Git repository, um, a transition will happen into the next step. So in this case, um, uh, a build test step with code build. Uh, like I said, this could also be like a Jenkins um, step, if you like, um, or any other custom step, where in this case, the, the code um, will be checked out and will, the test will run on code build. And then if the tests succeed, it will promote to the next step, um, where um, in this case, it will be uploaded to S3 so that then the next step could be like deployment with code uh, deploy, for example. Uh, now, this doesn't have to be only your, your application code, right? Like you could define a very similar pipeline for your um, configuration code with, with Chef or Puppet. Um, so, for example, I'm as engineer, I'm making a change to the Apache definition. I want to roll out, I want to update the version of Apache that we're using. Um, so I make this change in the Chef cookbook. I commit this change, uh, push it to, to our um, Git repository, code pipeline picks it up. Uh, runs any validation or linting that needs to run, and then it uploads it to the Chef server, and then the Chef server distributes this and applies it to all the nodes so that all my instances that are connected to the Chef server will automatically apply this configuration change. Um, this is actually um, exactly what, what um, the, the sessions on Thursday will walk you through in, in a lot more details of how you can build this uh, completely with the CloudFormation provisioning, the, um, applying the configuration changes, and automating all of this. And, uh, and you will have a much more hands-on session into these details. So with, with that, all right, I can now automatically promote and release any changes to my application, to my infrastructure, to my, um, uh, uh, like to my, to my provisioning of the, of the uh, monitoring, to my um, uh, remediation scripts that I have um, with, with uh, Systems Manager, and you can do the same thing for your config rules, right? So that every time somebody makes changes, they get automatically promoted and released. So that essentially, right, that we now fully automated um, this creation and this process so that uh, there is no manual interaction necessary, right? So if we, if we think back to this pipeline picture, uh, I now created um, all of these individual steps and are able to ultimately end up in this world where um, that we have for infrastructure automation, we have cloud formation, we have configurations code through OpsWorks and Chef or Puppet, um, for operations as code, we use Systems Manager and uh, CloudWatch, in my example here. For the compliance pieces, we use config and config rules. And then for the actual um, application delivery, we use um, code pipeline and, and code um, deploy. And then essentially, there is the, the glue code around it, which is resource groups and the, the pipelining, um, so that I'm able now to make any changes to these pieces 
uh, in my source control system and have them be automatically released and promoted to my production systems um, without any um, human having to verify that. Of course, if I want to, I can add human verifications to this. So um, uh, I might not be comfortable, like in the very beginning, to have all of this run automatically, like the, our Tomcat restart examples. Maybe this is not something you want to execute fully automated uh, on all your machines just because memory is low. Um, so you can add, for example, manual approval steps uh, in there. You can also maybe not execute these SOPs automatically, but this is up to you, right? Like the, the tooling supports all of this so that ultimately you end up in a world where um, as a developer, I can make changes in my source control system for my infrastructure pieces that define through CloudFormation what resources do I deploy um, on, on AWS, right? Like how many instances do I have, right? Like you can say, um, let's say you have four instances in your application and you wanna now change that to, to 10 because the load increased. So you make a change to your CloudFormation template. Um, you commit that. Code pipeline will now take this change, um, push it to CloudFormation. CloudFormation will now update your running infrastructure stack uh, and launch additional servers. If there is a problem, let's say your account doesn't support more instances, it will, it will abort and not promote this change to the next level. But let's say it went through. So now you have six additional servers running. These servers will, will register with, the, in our example, the Chef server through, through OpsWorks will install all the necessary um, software that you defined, let's say Apache Tomcat and, and so forth in our example, and will register themselves um, with the load balancer. The load balancer will verify that they're able to serve traffic um, normally. Mm -hmm. um, then they will start pushing the metrics to CloudWatch uh, in here. So you will, you will see all of that happening in your, in your dashboards and metrics because they will be part of the resource group. So they will automatically be part of that dashboard that we created. Um, and then because they're now new resources, the, the, new, the config rules um, will run against these. So I'm able to confirm that all of their configuration is valid with my desired state. And, um, and then uh, if you register the ASG with co-deploy, they will also be automatically deployed, right? So um, this is like full automation for all of these pieces um, without any manual interaction apart from obviously making the code change and, and committing it. And the same will also be true for any of the other examples, right? Like let's say I change a certain uh, policy in my company where I now um, uh, want to make sure that uh, certain software is installed or not installed in a certain version. As soon as I commit this and push this and I have uh, pipelines configured to also update config rules based on, on these, right? Code pipelines will promote these changes um, through, my, through my infrastructure. And then as soon as it runs against my production environment, I will be able to verify um, that all of the, my, my resources apply now to the, uh, are compliant with this new uh, policy, right? So I might, uh, depending on then how you configure the remediation, right, this might only trigger uh, alarms for you or it will only figure CloudWatch events that you then, no, maybe these just notify you or maybe these automatically through the integration of CloudWatch events and automation uh, or Lambda um, act on these um, violations, like they, they terminate the resources that are no longer com compliant or they um, uh, configure them that they cannot be used from the, from the internet or whatever makes sense for, for you and, and your company, you can, you can again fully automate this and fully um, uh, yeah, codify this so that you can verify any changes to that. You can uh, see who did what change uh, and, and when, and you can roll back all of this. So Code Pipeline will also handle uh, that for you and will not promote any changes to production. Yeah, and, and with that, uh, my, my very brief and, and high-level journey through, through how you can leverage the management tools uh, comes to an end. Uh, and we have a few minutes to go over any questions, uh, if you have some. So any 
Any questions? Yeah, the slides will be available online. Uh, usually it takes a few days until, until you can um, get them on the, from the uh, session catalog website and then uh, all the talks are recorded so they will be available on YouTube over the next few days. Yes, please. Yeah, so the, the, the question is if the tools support phased rollouts um, so you can slowly promote them. Um, so some of these tools support this natively, like let's say code deploy, you can define a, um, a velocity. Uh, you can do the same with run commands, so you can, you can define only um, run the script at five instances at a time and when it fails, like stop. Um, you can also um, reproduce that um, with code pipeline by the way you, that you define the stages, right? So you can, um, you, can you, you can either say, okay, d um, one deployment stage or one update stage is my whole CloudFormation stack or all the resources um, that I have in my account, for example, right? But you can also define uh, units of that where you say, um, uh, let's say this, this application um, target is only a subset of my account uh, and you define them as individual stages. This is, this is definitely best practice that we recommend. Uh, this is how also uh, uh, most teams at Amazon internally Rollout software, where we um, we roll it out to what we call a one box, like a single machine in a in an availability zone. Uh, then we roll it to the, to the whole availability zone, and then to we would progress to the next one before we like complete a region, and then we would start like with another single machine in the next region, and so forth. Um, so you can model that with um, some of the tools they have this velocity control built in, and with some of the other tools you need to do this when you define like. Um, uh, what is in a resource group or what is my deployment target, you, you, you need to define the units that make sense for you. Uh, where like, let's say for, for st uh, the staging environment, maybe for the staging environment, you're fine deploying it immediately, uh, but for production, you probably want to use these smaller increments um, until you, you hit the full blown production um, workload. Any other questions? Yes, please, in the first row. Yeah. So the, the, the question uh, was, uh, when we're talking about monitoring, can we also monitor the AWS services themselves? Um, so with CloudWatch, the answer is with CloudWatch, no. So CloudWatch only um, provides with metrics about uh, uh, kind of the built-in metrics that the services report, let's say for EC2, what is the CPU consumption, and then you can define your own metrics. Um, you can get this information through the, the, the personal health dashboards in your account that will tell you if there are major events and for services that you consume. Um, but through CloudWatch directly, uh, not yet, I, I believe. I think there was another question over here. Yes. In um, a lot of the examples you showed, it uses um, Puppet and Chef to manage integration. Yeah. So the, the question was um, that my examples, I, I mentioned Puppet and Chef, um, and if we also see Ansible. Uh, the answer is yes, of course. Like everything that I showed you here is also possible with Ansible. Um, I, I spoke mostly about Chef and Puppet because these are the, um, uh, the services for which we have a managed service where, where um, you can get your own Chef Automate or Puppet Enterprise server that is managed by AWS. But you can use also Ansible for these examples, right? Like you can have Ansible um, uh, playbooks that then define the configuration on, on the instances themselves. Uh, and then you trigger these maybe through the user data um, uh, or maybe through CloudWatch event and, and so forth. Or maybe you use Ansible Tower. So uh, at the end of the day, like for, every, for, for most of the pieces that I showed you here, you can replace them with something else, right? Like you can replace CloudFormation with Terraform if, if that uh, works better for you. 
you can replace the um, code build, uh, code pipeline with some a tool like Jenkins in, in that sense, right? Like the, the ultimately you can you can achieve like the, an automation pipeline like we were describing uh, with many different tools. Um, it's just that these tools, of course, come built in and they work well together. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're very happy for you to use different tools if that uh, fits your workflow better. I think there was another question in the back there, yeah? So the question was if Systems Manager uh, has uh, no cost associated with it. Um, this is uh, true for most of Systems Manager. Like we released some features uh, very recently, um, like the distributor and cross-account uh, automation execution, like and cross-region execution. These actually have a price, um, but the the basic um, capabilities like run command, automation, uh, patch, and uh, and so forth, they're they're all free. Um, so, so if you go to the Systems Manager um, page, um, the public website, it will list you the pricing. Like I said, it um, only applies to the distributor use case and cross-account, cross-region execution of automation documents. Okay, uh, yeah. The cloud trail, one of the biggest pain points for us is the cost is just pretty large. Have you come up with any uh, methods by which we can reduce the cost associated? So the, the question was that the, the CloudTrail um, cost for, for your use case uh, seems high, and if we're, we're able to, to lower it. So um, uh, I, I cannot speak for, for the CloudTrail team, but I'm sure that they're looking regularly into how we can reduce costs. So uh, at Amazon, if we've, we're very eager to find ways to make all of this cheaper for, for customers. So we, we just launched today a feature for S3 um, where um, you can, we will automatically put um, uh, keys that are not being accessed very frequently into like the cheaper, um, frequently uh, infrequent use um, storage case. Um, so I'm sure the CloudTrail team is looking into similar improvements, how we can uh, make this cheaper. But uh, the best thing is, is if you're interested in that is um, maybe maybe f find one of the CloudTrail team members that are running around here today and, and, and speak to them. Uh, but yeah, like ultimately, yes, like our goal is to make this as cheap as possible. Uh, because we think like something like CloudTrail is essential to actually have like a proper audit capabilities for your account. Thank you. One last question, maybe. Um, looks like no questions. Oh, here, please. So the, the question is if you can um, get access to the CloudWatch dashboards also via um, the CLI or API, or um, yeah. Um, so I think uh, today you need to log into the console um, to in order to get access to the actual dashboards, um, but you have access via API and SDK to the data itself. So you can um, <clears throat> you can yeah you can you can graph this data with other tools. So I think there is a Grafana, um, uh, like open source plugin or so, that you can use Grafana to display CloudWatch data, for example. So you can build your own dashboards um, uh, based on all the data that we saw here, right? Like ultimately it's just the matter of, uh, yeah, how do you display it? The, what is important is the data itself, which you will get through an API uh, access. Cool, yeah, so thank you very, um, very much, everybody. Uh, and enjoy the rest of the conference.